She is somebody who's had to handle a lot of very difficult situations. And mm-hmm. I'm surprised, actually, that as much as she has been joking to some degree with them and having a, a good flow of conversation, that there's times that she's looked pretty profoundly uncomfortable. And I think part yeah. of it is because her natural instinct would be to give a more thorough answer. She's mm-hmm. been coached not to do so. Interesting. Well, let, let me ask you again, just kind of briefly summarize, what are some of the things when you heard that she was the nominee? What, what struck... What leaped out at you, what you found most interesting, why you thought she made a, a good pick? Well, I, I think she's a different pick in a lot of ways. One is that her experience is different than most of the people on the court and that she hasn't been a judge before. There's a real positive in that. The other is that although some people, including some of the con- or senators now, are inclined to cast her as a real liberal I see her as a pragmatist. I think that, yeah, she'll probably vote with the liberal wing more often than the conservative wing. But I also think that, unlike Justice Stevens, she is going to be somebody who is going to be a coalition builder. And you've seen that over and over again in the jobs that she's had. And most of the jobs she's had for the longest period of time that's most significant is dean of Harvard. And that was her role there. Um, And for that reason, I'm pretty comfortable with that pick. Um, Now, what we're seeing as the confirmation hearings proceed is nothing inconsistent with that, but we're also not seeing the substance that we might hope for. Well, I'll start off by just asking, the first day was underway yesterday. Was there anything that particularly, you know, you you mentioned you felt she looked uncomfortable, maybe dodged some questions. Was there anything else that really leaped out at you about the first day? Well, they did tend to go right after some of the hot-button issues. For example, military recruiters on campus. Mm-hmm. And uh, as well they should. It's a, one of the controversial issues that not being a judge, she has waded into. Um, and she probably should have been more straightforward in answering those questions. She said, you know, we never barred military recruiters. Well, the fact is that they did not allow the direct involvement of the, the branches of the service to recruit on campus. They had to kind of use a subterfuge of having a veterans group and then a student group sponsor it. Um, yeah, I think that that's an area where I would rather have seen a, a more straightforward discussion as she herself urged in her 1995 article. Do you think that the the military recruitment on campus issue is one that will become an issue, or is it just kind of a step in the whole process? I think it's a step in the whole process. I don't doubt that there's going to be people that will vote against her confirmation who will cite to that. I don't think in the end it's a hot-button issue that is going to be a stopper in the way that some others, uh, you know, have been in the past that we've seen, for example, with, um, you know, Douglas Ginsburg or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. We've seen, uh, we had a Supreme Court hearing, I mean, a nominee before the Senate last year in Sonia Sotomayor. Do you think there will be any similarities or differences in Kagan this year compared to what we saw last summer? Um, I, you know, they've been coached by largely the same people. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing a similar approach, which is backing away from commenting on uh, pending decisions. One thing that I'm seeing here that I don't remember seeing quite so much as before is a real reluctance to comment on decisions that have already been made. For example, the the Heller decision, she was being pressed today on, you know, do you think that was correctly decided personally? And her answer was, well, now that's the law, we'll respect the law. And I, uh, you know, that's that's different than not commenting on future yeah. decisions. That's not commenting on one that already happened. And certainly there's, there's members of the court that are on both sides of that. And I, I don't see a reason not to honestly say what her personal analysis would have been of that issue. Mm-hmm. Do you think, uh, we kind of talked about this a moment ago, but do you think 
that's the nature of the the beast these days where it's all about being as vanilla as, as you can be up there absolutely it's uh, kind of like some of the third games of the first round of the world cup where you're playing not to lose yeah. uh you know you don't want to give up a goal because that could be the end of it and she has been very cautious and politic about not giving up a sound bite that's going to be used to pound her into the ground and that's the number one priority, and it's very clear from watching this performance that you've got an articulate person, someone who's witty, someone who's very sharp, who has taken the edge off of all those traits in order not to say the wrong thing. Do you think that, you know, you look at the the Senate Judiciary Committee, of course the Senate is already just based on its numbers inclined to go with whoever the president nominates. Do you think that in this situation she really doesn't have a lot to lose by being honest? Um, I think that she could be more honest than she has been. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that there's there's some issues that really she should address. One thing is uh, Senator Grassley today was asking her about gun rights. And in the context of the, the case that came up yesterday out of Chicago and the Heller case, that clearly is uh, an appropriate area of questioning. And one of the questions that he had for her was, do you think that Second Amendment rights preexisted the Constitution? That is, was there an inherent right to have guns before the Constitution uh, discussed that. And she really dodged the question. Um, you know, she kept referring to Heller and talking about how Heller changed everything, when really there's a straightforward answer to that, that that I'm certain that is in her head, which is that we were a nation of farmers. It was an agricultural uh, country. People had guns. Of course they had guns. And it would have been very strange to have gone around and, and limited uh, the kinds of guns that existed and were used at that time. You needed them. You needed them to shoot animals to eat. You needed them to keep yeah. the varmints away from your crops. Um, you know, if there there was functionally that right in this country, and that's the context in which the Constitution was written, I think that it would have been much more intellectually honest for her to have recognized that. Do, would you anticipate as the, the, the hearing goes along that we may get a little more detail in the coming days? I doubt it. Um, I think that in part what she's seen is that people are backing down uh, eventually or they run out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, she is pretty adept at kind of returning to center on some of these things and uh, and not not giving up the, the goal, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as I, I mentioned before. So um, I would love to see it. I, I fear that we won't, though. You mentioned that, uh, you know, Kagan, her hiring record and a lot of just, uh, you know, the people she's associated with really kind of speaks to the fact that while she certainly politically leans to the Democrats, this isn't maybe someone that Republicans are going to be afraid of as a fire-breathing liberal or whatever. Yeah, and and I think that President Obama certainly talked to her about her, her views on things, and they were largely consistent with that. But what we saw at Harvard, which is the job uh, that we have to look at where there really is a track record... Um, you know, what did she do? She brought in conservatives like Jack Goldsmith, and then she really defended that decision to the liberals on the Harvard faculty. I admire that. Um, and I hope that she'll be able to have that kind of dialogue across ideological lines. That's some people that that's a, a talent that some people have more than others. It's certainly needed on the court. It can be very effective. And I think it will pull her to being a moderate who in the end will be towards the center of the court. Are there any uh, key players in this whole process? I mean, you have the people on the Senate Judiciary Committee, but are there there anyone to is there anyone to watch in these coming days? Is this as a, a senator or someone who might play a key role? It's hard to say. I mean, the, we've already heard their speeches and mm-hmm. we know where they stand. I think with other 
senators on the right, Orrin Hatch does have significant pull. Mm -hmm. And he is somebody who very often will have harsh questioning, but then later will reflect on the qualifications of a person. And and that's a good thing. On the Democratic side, um, one of the people that I've really been intrigued by so far is Herb Cole of Wisconsin, somebody who is uh, not the loudest person in the Senate. But one of the things that he asked about, which was great dialogue was, you know, what's your passion? What's your passion in the law? And she didn't reveal any, um, which was interesting. And I think it's true. I mean, her she's been a coalition builder, not someone who has been passionate for causes. We have confirmed people who are passionate for causes, and that's what they were known for. Most notably on the current court, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, passionate advocate for women's rights and someone who argued before the court and other courts over and over about those things. We know going in, if you asked her, what was your passion? She'd be able to answer that clearly. Mm -hmm. John Roberts, somebody who also has uh, a history of passionate advocacy at times um, on things like states' rights and federalism. And if you were to ask him, you know, what was your, what's your passion, Ben? We'd have a good answer. Mm -hmm. Um, With Elena Kagan, um, we don't see that. And I think that's an honest answer, that she doesn't have a cause that she's espoused. Her talents have laid in a different area. Do you think that's in part given to her? She has a very eclectic background, someone who is a, you know, intrigued by the law as a whole, but maybe not as passionate about one area. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at her uh, resume, what jumps out to someone like me is she didn't have a lot of jobs for more than two or three years mm-hmm. until she got to Harvard. And, you know, certainly she accomplished a lot in that role. And people there very much admire her on both the left and the right. But prior to that, uh, she jumped back and forth between the academy and government work. Um, you know, she'd be a couple years at Chicago. She'd go to Washington, work for Clinton, go back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're doing that, it's very hard to build up the credentials to be passionate about a cause, to build up um, the momentum that you need. Um, you look at somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for example. You know, she built up her credibility working for one organization, being passionate about that organization's cause. Uh, and we don't see that with her, with uh, Elena Kagan. Do you, you know, you mentioned that she's been trying to avoid the headline grabbing quote, but if you had to predict, do you have an idea of what you think the headlines might be in the coming days about the, you know, about the hearings? I suspect that uh, in the end, what's going to be left standing is the thing that was there in the first place, which is going to be military recruiting and her role in that. The fact that she wrote an article saying we should have very vigorous questioning of uh, potential justices, and then she didn't offer that. I think that's a very fair criticism. Um, And she backed away from that pretty vigorously yesterday. And I think we may also have a continuing focus on her lack of credentials in the sense that she hasn't been a judge before. Now, of course, people feel differently about that. Personally, I I think that that'll add uh, an important element of diversity to the court. But there are those who think that uh, to make you one of the top judges, it would have been great if you'd been a lower judge first. Mm -hmm. You know, what what you've just said there almost sounds uh, all negative, but do you you feel pretty confident that when all is said and done, she's going to be Justice Justice Kagan? Yes. And, And again, you know, the nature of this beast is... Uh, don't score on your own goal. And mm-hmm. she hasn't done that thus far. And she seems she seems very controlled. She doesn't seem someone who is going to be flustered, who's going to blurt something out, uh, who's going to react too harshly. Um, so far, there was this sense that when she responded to the military recruitment questions, that she was fairly vigorous about that. But, you know, that's on the first day. 
uh, she needed to do that to kind of establish what her answer was going to be. Um, and I think in the end, she's not going to make a fatal mistake and she will be confirmed. Does the fact that there's a, a midterm election coming up in November, does that ever play a role in these things? Or for the most part, like right now, is the focus on focus on the task at hand? Oh, it is. It is definitely about midterm elections. I mean, one thing that I thought was was really fascinating was watching Orrin Hatch question her uh, about the Citizens United case, which was the um, the donations by mm-hmm. corporations, labor unions and other organizations as political speech. And, uh, you know, he was it, there was a law, a uh, federal law that was was overturned by the Supreme Court in that case that limited um contributions to political candidates. And he was very critical of her on that in that she was, you know, as the Solicitor General defending the law. Uh, And obviously that was towards elections. That was towards Mm -hmm. the political battle because the fact is that as the Solicitor General, she has to uphold the laws that Congress passed, that Mm -hmm. in fact Orrin Hatch's body had passed that law. And then she was simply defending it. If he had a problem with it, he probably should have addressed it to his fellow senators, and that would have been more more effective as opposed to criticizing her role as Solicitor General in defending it. But that's just politics, yeah. and you have to expect that. I mean, one thing that, that happened, Derek, that was really interesting was, you know, when they gave the opening talks and she just sat there. If mm-hmm. you listen to that, that almost entirely was posturing knowing that they had television time, that someone out there was watching, that there were elections coming. Uh, and it's a little painful. I mean, I've been in that position myself, testifying in front of Congress. And when they're giving their speeches and they're talking about you, and you could, all you have to do is sit there and listen to them, it's incredibly awkward. Yeah. Uh, and I have to admire her uh, for being quite that stalwart and just sitting that out and then being ready to answer the questions. Just an aside, it really does watching that look like Christopher, something Christopher Buckley would write up when you see them just bloviating on and mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And, but, and, and again, you know, having been in that seat, yeah. uh, it is uh, pretty, pretty frustrating, especially for someone who's trained as an advocate, as I am, as mm-hmm. she is, uh, just to sit there and sort of nod and listen. Um, and she had to do that for about four hours, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and finally, as, as we look ahead here, you know, eventually... You know, there's been some really contentious uh, Supreme Court. There's been some contentious hearings in recent years. Do you think this will end up being one of those contentious ones? No, I don't. But I expect that the next one will be. Mm-hmm. I think that we are going to see uh, another resignation from the Supreme Court. I think we're going to see President Obama nominate a third justice. And I think that is going to be the point in which there's going to be a real battle royal. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on who he picks, of course. Yeah. But I think that... Uh, Republicans may well be emboldened after the midterm elections to challenge more. Their numbers in the Senate may be significantly greater. And uh, I think there is going to be quite a fight at that point. Uh, And, of course, it's with the next nomination that we're going to see an important question raised, and that is, uh, does it matter that there's not a single Protestant on the court? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people have said, oh, no, that doesn't matter at all. And, uh, you know, personally, I think, of course, it does. Religious diversity is important because we are a nation in which faith is very important. Mm -hmm. And faith gets woven into these cases in an important way. Uh, The people who are involved, the defendants, the victims, the witnesses, the jurors, they are very often people of faith. And and it draws from that and it Mm -hmm. plays into it. 
a lot of the cases that the court has to decide have to do with faith issues. Can you put the Ten Commandments up? Uh, is this a religion for tax purposes? Can American Indians use uh, you know, what otherwise would be considered narcotics as part of their practices? Mm-hmm. These are questions of faith. And having a diversity on the court, particularly a diversity that includes a majority group in the country, is very important. Um, I hope that becomes a part of the debate as we look towards the next nomination.